your ICP is not an academic exercise. If you're going to pat yourself on the back because you completed this thing, you did, you talked to a hundred customers and it's packaged up and looks really nice and you put it on the shelf and never see it again, then you're not doing it right. I, I would rather do a very short, informal ICP that they update often than something that's this massive academic exercise that no one uses. You are listening to This is Product Marketing, brought to you by Product Marketing Hive, the product marketing community that gives back. Product Marketing Hive and this podcast are supported by Product Marketing Edge, a technology product marketing consulting firm. In this episode, Matt Mehus, founder of Mehus Consulting Group, shares his experience in developing an ideal customer profile. Let's dive into it right now. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Louise. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be able to speak with you here today. Great. Let's get started with a short introduction. How did you get into product marketing? Yeah, so uh, product marketing is a really um, great role, I think, because you can really get into it from any number of starting points. And for me, that starting point was actually working in advertising. I worked at an advertising agency as an account manager, and I worked on everything from hospitality accounts to financial instruments and um, uh, you know everything in between, basically. From there, though, I really wanted to try something that would allow me to work more closely with customers. So I did some research and found that product marketing was probably a good place for me to explore. So my first product marketing title was was actually my second job as a product marketing associate. It was a um, a health tech uh, SaaS company, and I got the job. I had no idea what it was. I, I had no idea how to do it. I didn't know uh, you know really much about anything uh, in terms of product marketing. But I spent the next couple of years uh, really um, focusing on on getting in front of their customers. That was a big part of my job, and and it was how I, I was able to support the broader product marketing team, the more time I spent actually talking to customers, the more I I saw firsthand how much I really enjoyed that part of the role. And the more experience that I got, the more I saw how important that part of the job was in terms of just informing everything else that I was working on, from messaging to the programs that we're putting together to enabling the sales team. That was really step one in almost every instance was, you know, what your level of intimacy was with the customers. So it was at that point um, where I really uh, made the decision that this is, was was an area that I wanted to pursue and 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 something that I enjoyed and something that I you know I felt I could be successful in. So since then, uh, I've been I've been able to lead um, uh, several uh, product marketing teams. I've been an individual uh, contributor, you know, PMM uh, types of roles, led other types of marketing groups, and I've I've always found myself coming back to to product marketing. Uh, and really with a, a a focus on how companies who best understand their customers and the pain points that they feel are going to be the ones that are fastest to market with the right messaging, positioning programs. So that's kind of my quick background here. Started off in advertising, got into product marketing, had no idea what I was doing, slowly learned what I was supposed to be doing, really enjoyed it. And, and, and from there, really kind of um, have been in product marketing types of roles for for 10 some years now and 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 that's where I see myself for the rest of my career to be honest. Great. It's very inspiring to hear about your product marketing journey. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Our today's topic is ideal customer profile. So maybe in your own words, what is the ideal customer profile and what it is not? So the way that I've always looked at the ideal customer profile or ICP, if if, um, I use that acronym going forward, it's really simply the attributes of the accounts that are expected to become your company's most valuable customers. 
So what are, are the criteria of the accounts um, that either you can validate from your existing customer base or doing market research or talking to folks in, in the market uh, that is a hypothesis, basically. So ultimately, it's a, it's a segment of the market that is definable, uh, but that evolves over time. But you know, some of the, of the challenges that I see with a lot of organizations is they don't have what I would call the right definition of what your ICP should be. So they look at it as your total addressable market, maybe, or your SAM, your serviceable addressable market. They're defining the segment of, of the market in a much broader way than they should. Your ICP is not your total addressable market. It's not who might potentially buy from you at any given time in the future. It's a, it's a much smaller subset of that. Um, it's it's uh, you know a portion of your TAM that you should be convincing to buy uh, today, not just the total accounts. And so I see some, some, some challenges that companies have when they think about that. So it's really not your TAM. It's not a market sizing exercise necessarily. And then the other piece that I see often is treating your ICP really as an academic exercise. Let's go through this exercise of identifying you know, who our ideal customer is. We're going to spend a ton of time on it, locked in a room by ourselves. It's going to be written like a thesis, and then we're going to present it to the team, put it in a binder on the shelf to never be heard from again. <laughs> that, that really is, I think, a common way that sometimes marketers think about their ICP. And then the last thing that I would say is, um, in terms of what it's not, it's also not your user or buyer personas. Uh, I've worked with with companies where they will talk about ICP and their ideal customer profile, and I'll I'll ask, okay, what do you mean by that? What is yours today? And they'll they'll send me an Excel spreadsheet list of a hundred titles, uh, or functions, or roles, or you know levels, things like that. Uh, they're they're really very distinct things. Your ICP your user personas and your buyer personas. So being able to have a common definition uh, across the organization of, of, of not just what your ICP is, but of what an ideal customer profile in general is, is really important. So again, for me, it's simply those attributes, again, that uh, represent the accounts that you expect to become your most valuable customers. Uh, I don't think it has to be any more complicated than that. And that's that's how I see what your, 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 your you know, your ICP is today. And and, and as you said, conversely, what I don't think it is at all. Not It's not your TAM, it's not an academic exercise, and it's not a user or, or buyer personas. Then tell us, in your opinion, what is the purpose of developing ideal customer profiles? Yeah, so there's a, a number of reasons why it's important to focus on this. I think, you know, as I've done more and more of these with different types of companies, a lot of it comes back to this idea that wasting money and time really sucks to be yeah, you know, blunt about it. When you have a really clear understanding of who that ideal customer is, who you want to be putting the right messaging in front of, you're not going to have a lot of waste in terms of your resources, your time. Uh, you know, there's, there's other things, that, you know, how you enable your sales team and things like that that are important. But getting in front of the right audience is the best way to become an efficient uh, go-to-market machine, basically. And it also helps you really be able to operationalize the insights from the customers uh, quickly. You can have a much more focused, efficient roadmap you can also look at reducing your acquisition costs. Basically, every part of your sales velocity equation is helped with a very clearly defined ICP. So your acquisition costs, your sales cycles, how long it takes you to win deals, how big your pipeline is, what your win rate is, all of those business and sales metrics are helped by having a very clearly defined ICP. Yeah, I agree. People can also think of developing the ideal customer profile as an act of prioritization. It's not elimination. It's at this time, let's create a shared understanding of what are deals that most likely we can win and for 
better result and shorter sell cycles. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and as you're talking about things like account-based marketing, it becomes even more important. But even just, you know, if your sales team said, give me a list of 100 accounts that you think I should be targeting, where do you start? Or, you know, if you've got a list of 1,000 accounts and your sales team needs 100, where do you start? So I love your your angle of it. It's, it's not about elimination per se. It's about prioritization. And that's how I see it broadly as well. If you're thinking of a big of a big circle, you've got your TAN, your total addressable market. There's a little sliver there that is your your ICP. So it's it's not about elimination to your point. It's really about prioritization. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. Great. Who do you think should be leading the, the exercise of developing ideal customer profile? And maybe in the process of developing it, uh, who are the people uh, should be involved? So product marketing, uh, in my opinion, is definitely the right starting point to spearhead the initiative. Uh, they are the ones who should be most knowledgeable about the customer. So um, having them connected to who the ideal customer is, is the right starting point. Uh, in terms of who should be involved, and this is another common mistake I see is it's not just marketing. So who should be involved? It should be an organization-wide initiative. It, you know, it's got downstream impacts to most of your commercial teams. So your marketing teams, your sales teams, your CS or customer success teams, your support teams, all of these groups should be involved. And they should be involved early on. And early on, meaning when you're starting to build out your ICP and doing research into your customers, these are the groups and your peers that you want to be partnering with to ensure that you're, that you're accounting for what they're hearing from the customers. So while product marketing is going to spearhead the initiative in, in most cases, it has to be an exercise that is bought in at a corporate company level, at a business level, and has to be considered an important and prioritized initiative across all of your commercial teams, I think is challenging is if you don't have a leadership team that understands the role of the ICP within your go-to-market or your commercial teams that are hard to get that aren't bought in, getting that buy-in is, is critically important. In many cases, it's to where the ICP falls down. You've done your research, you've got um, the right data points to, to build your, your profile, and then getting buy-in is where a lot of people stop because that's often one of the hardest parts is to get buy-in. So if you can get past that milestone, uh, you know, you're well on your way to having a really operationalized ICP that everyone agrees on, aligns on, and stands behind and can go to market with a consistent approach. Makes sense. I see. I see. In your opinion, how often should an in-house product marketer be expected to repeat an exercise of developing an ideal customer profile? It kind of depends on the maturity of the company. A lot of my work now is with early to mid-stage companies where we'll be validating their ICP probably more frequently than more established companies. In my opinion, though, at a minimum twice a year and quarterly uh, to me is even better. And not to say that you're changing your ICP every quarter, that would be painful exercise, but you're looking to refine it. You know, the twice a year or the quarterly is, is not something where you just say, put it on my checklist, put it on the last Friday of the quarter, and that's when we're gonna do it. It really should be driven by the, the data. How did you create your ICP originally? What data did you use to support that? And I can talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, but the thing about data is that it's constantly changing as well. <laughs> so it's not uh, like you've got a data set that's informed your ICP and that stays the same forever. So you want to be changing not as frequently as your data is changing, but enough that you're able to keep up with what your data is telling you about your customers in the market. Uh, some real life examples that um, a client now is going through. One is there was a, a, a hypothesis that manufacturing was going to be a key industry for the business. Uh, and it was going to be one of three industries in their ICP. 
And it was one of the industries that would offer the most opportunity. But as deals started to close, as they started to reshape their go-to-market a little bit, they started to see that deals were coming in from a different industry, from healthcare. And it was a much better fit. The sales team was able to sell to that industry better. You know, they felt more enabled uh, in healthcare. And the customers came in in a much more frictionless way. So that is just one data point where you say, okay, what's actually happening? You know, we have this hypothesis that manufacturing is maybe a target industry for us, but what's actually happening? So that's a great example of when you should start to refine and reshape your ICPs when you're seeing data points like that. Uh, I've, I've seen things where they wanted to focus on fintech or the financial services industries. Of course, regulatory changes came out as they're about to go to market and it made it much less desirable. So as, as the markets evolve, as, as things like regulatory or, or uh, legislation changes evolve, you want to make sure that you are refining your ICP as those things happen. Um, another common example, you know, with early stage companies who are growing, um, you know, the product very quickly is you've got new capabilities. So, you know, as you get new capabilities, you can service new segments of the market. So now you can support multi-cloud or, 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 you know, you've grown such that now you've got a professional services team, maybe. And it unlocks different parts of, of the market that you might not have been successful at targeting originally. So that's how I see when and how you should update your ICP is when things change, whether it's things at your company and your product, whether it's things in the market, uh, whether it's things, you know, on your customer side. Uh, but certainly what I try to focus on is, is at least, you know, a couple of times a year and quarterly if things are evolving that quickly, but it's got to be rooted in in the data that's that's behind your ICP that that is you know, how you originated the ICP to begin with. In your opinion, what does a well-defined ideal customer profile look like? Maybe also talk about, as you mentioned, data that we can look at, but what are other information that we should also be considering? So a well-defined ICP to me consists of a half dozen to maybe 10 or 12 different attributes, and they fall under different buckets of data. So you've got your firmographic data, which is the uh, most straightforward, I would say, data points that you want to capture. You've got more environmental data, and then you've got your, your behavioral attributes. So if you can align your criteria under those three buckets, or maybe you've got a couple more based on your business and, and your market and the products, but the six that I really start with are your industries, your, your locations and geographies. And again, if you're early stage, you might not be going global right out of the gate, for example, right? So you've got a much more refined a geographical um, attribute there. A revenue employees, right? So getting that size of the organization, are we talking Fortune 50? Or are we talking SMBs with 100 employees? Uh, their key challenges, you know, obviously is a big one. Uh, you know, what are their pain points? What are the use cases they're trying to solve for? What are the jobs to be done that they're trying to, to solve for? Um, you know, where can we add value basically? And their tech stack, um, you know, companies, that's obviously a big one, but even for, for those that aren't in, in tech um, or SaaS space, it's a really important one. What are they using today? What does their tech stack look like today? Where do we plug in? Are we, you know, replacing something? Are we, you know, complementing something? So those are the six criteria that I typically start with. Uh, but every product marketer should look at it in the context of their own business. Uh, you know, they should be be formulating these ideal customer attributes based on their own business. And, you know, as you're thinking about, okay, well, uh, why would my attributes be different? Well, you have to understand who your best customers are. So how do you define who your best customers are? That's uh, really, to me, is, is kind of step zero almost in the exercise. So understanding uh, and outlining who your best customers are, then you can pattern match your ICP to those best customers. This is, is much easier said than done for established companies. Um, who have a customer base that they, that they can work from. If you're an early stage 
not a company who just has you know a handful of design partners, it might be more challenging, but to really define and, and understand who your best customers are uh, as a starting point uh, will help inform what attributes you need to include in your in, in uh, your ideal customer profile. And usually what I see is a company will say, well, our best customers are the ones who have the biggest contract value, right? That's not always the case though. I mean, what I try to look at, and this is all data that product marketers have to be comfortable with not having all the data maybe. But if you only look at the size of the contract value, you're really missing out on who those best customers are, and you'll have a very misleading ICP. So looking at things like renewal rates, which segment of your customers came in with the lowest acquisition costs or the shortest sales cycles? You know, which uh, segment of your customers has the highest satisfaction as represented by the uh, most renewals or expansion opportunities, referrals? What's your cost of servicing that contract? Looking at things beyond just a contract value what will help inform a really, really specific set of attributes that is very personal to your uh, specific company. Now, the six that I mentioned, I think, are pretty common and are, I think, valuable regardless of what, of what product or category you're in, right? Industry, geography, revenue, employees, challenges, and your tech stack. But to have some that are, are even more unique to your business is, is really, really critical because if you're looking at, you know, at being too too broad, for example, you might say, okay, well, uh, you know, DevOps engineers, uh, that's that's really our target. Well, that might be a good start, but how is a DevOps engineer at a, a ordinary company different from a DevOps engineer at your ideal company? Right? So having really specific attributes uh, to your company is is really important. So those are the six that I that I like to start with, but you got to look at at your customer base today and say, who are our best customers? And how does that profile um, inform what your ICP should look like, just the, the, you know, the structure of it, not even the actual content of it. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Can you tell us, how do we know if we have the right ICP? So it's really two ways for me. And it's not as attribution software has come a long way. It's very easy to say that, well, if we can't attribute things as precisely as we want, then that means that there's inherently no value in it. I think that's a mistake. That's where it can be harder to understand if we do have the right ICP. But your sales velocity equation to me is one big component to that, right? So what is the size of your pipeline? What is your win rate? Sales cycle is one that is, is probably the most important one out of all of four elements of your sales velocity equation. How quickly are you closing deals? You know, how, how aligned is your ICP and your messaging, right? If they get it in the first meeting, then you've got a pretty tight fit probably there. You know, if you got to have six discovery calls, then maybe you're not quite in front of the right audience. But the other piece that is often uh, undervalued, I think, is just talking to your teams, talking to your sales team. We've um, refined our ICP a little bit. I know you had a, you know, some meetings last week. How'd they go? Right? And getting their qualitative input from teams there is undervalued because it's it's where a lot of great insights can uh, come from. And even if you've got tracking things in your CRM uh, to see, you know, what is the feedback from customers? And, you know, again, are they understanding the message? Uh, do they see the value in it for them very quickly? It's not just a, a metric for ICP. You have to kind of lump in, you know, your messaging and positioning as well, your um, ICP and personas. But those are some of the metrics that I typically look at uh, to say, is it working or is it not working? And that usually takes a quarter or two to really see any sort of change in, in what's happening. So it's not an overnight thing. You might get anecdotal feedback from your sales team, but it's something that you shouldn't abandon an ICP because you had a couple bad meetings. You need to have the data to support whether you got to continue to refine your ICP or if it's in a good spot. Great, great. Thank you. So we're getting to the end of our time here. Do you have any final thoughts you would like to share? 
So one final thought that I, I was thinking of here as we were even just talking for our conversation here, product marketing is probably one of the functions most susceptible to creating shelfware, ICP being one of them. Shelfware meaning we create these things, we put them on a shelf, we never use them. So we go through these academic exercises, we share them with the team, we get a few head nods, we call it a day. We uh, revisit it next year when we've got our calendar notification to revisit the ICP. That to me is one of the biggest obstacles that product marketers have to face. And it comes back to getting buy-in and to getting folks excited about the opportunities in front of them. So ensuring that everyone understands the problem, that we can get to a point where we agree on best practices and what, what, you know, what the future might look like for the sales team if we do this well. And ensuring everyone's involved. We got to make sure that these, these teams have skin in the game. So when it comes to customer success or sales, we need them to know that we've spoken to their customers, their input and their insight based on the last 18 months of QBRs or whatever the CS team is working on is a critical part of how we build this out. So they can see their customers in the ICP. If, if marketing does it in a silo in a closet by themselves and you try to roll it out to sales and you know the first thing the sales team is going to say is this looks nothing like what I have to deal with on a daily basis. So those two things are, are really critical to ensuring you're not going to have shelfware where you're spinning up a ton of product marketing resources. You do all this work, you put on the shelf and forget about it. Because these are really foundational pieces for your go-to-market and for the success of your sales and marketing teams. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for joining us today, Matt. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to talk on this topic. I love product marketing. So I appreciate uh, you having me on here, Louise, and, and appreciate uh, those that are uh, tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to This is Product Marketing. Brought to you by Product Marketing Hive, a product marketing community that gives back. Check out our website, productmarketinghive.com, to join our community, meet fellow product marketers, and access free resources, including training, playbooks, templates, and events. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and give a five-star rating on the platform of your choice. See you next time.